This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone listening. This is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. Thank you for tuning in to this week's program, this Thursday, the 31st of October, 2019, Halloween at that. And uh, happy Halloween to everyone who is listening in right now. Uh, Thank you so much for catching today's broadcast. So today's show is going to feature a couple topics. Uh, Like I've been doing recently, we have the feature topic that I won't hesitate too much to getting right into. Uh, And then we have a few other lectures that I I do want to give and a few other things that I want to talk about. Um, But the feature topic, of course, is going to be about Halloween, uh, the paranormal, ghost stories, etc., uh, something that, again, why not? I, I enjoy talking about that stuff anyway, and if there's a day to do it, it's Halloween, so uh, why not? We're just going to we're gonna delve into that, and we have some good correspondence written and recorded, so that'll be good to see and uh, get through. So we have that. Also going forward, we have uh, other miscellaneous correspondence. Not too much of it. Um, but a little bit anyway, that, that's worth getting to, just some random emails. And then finally, on a closing note, I have another lecture that I want to deliver uh, in regards to the word bullying and why I don't like that word and why I, I don't use it. Now, I will state this again. Um, I just want to do so right now. Uh, this broadcast does have its costs, you know, and it costs money to keep this going. Last week's show got completely demonetized um, because I guess the algorithm didn't like me talking about intimidation. Um, but that's something that I feel strongly about. And the whole point of it, I mean, the entire point of the show was also about facing your fears and not letting yourself be censored. And then what happens? It gets demonetized and it's essentially you're being told, you screwed up, don't talk about this anymore. Um, But I'm, you know, forget about that. I want to talk about what I want to talk about. So, this show is going to get demonetized, too, because I'm going to be talking about bullying. And you can appeal it, and it can get successfully appealed. Uh, But, you know, the way that the system works, and I'm... Look, it just is the way that it is. That's all that it comes down to, right? You can have your complaints about the system, but it just is the way that it is. It's not going to change. And the way that it always is is that... It takes, you know, especially for smaller channels, like the podcast is, you know, the it's different from one channel to the next, but especially with the podcast, um, because it doesn't get as many views as the food reviews and all of that, you know, it'll take a good 48 hours. And in that 48 hours, the initial, you know, that's the initial time that the video is released and that the most people check it out. So already that's lost. And just the number of donations is down overall. Like I said, things just are what they are. Um, But the point just needs to be stressed here and there. uh, That again, it it has its costs to run this show and to keep it going. But likewise, if you want to support the show, please consider a donation of any size, any shape, anything that you can to PayPal, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. That's V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O. I-N-F-O at gmail.com. 
or via Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week. And with Patreon, if you do support, uh, one thing that really is there for you, you know, as, as a way of saying thank you, is that the music shows are now archived there, every last one of them, the Thursday, the Saturday, and the Sunday shows, so you can listen to those on demand, uh, you know, much better quality than you'll ever get on TuneIn or on the shortwave, and anytime, anytime you want to listen, it's there for you, so it's just a way of saying thank you, and, you know, in the most, the clearest possible terms right now, to everyone who is supporting this show, anyone who's considering supporting it, thank you so much. You know, recently, thanks to your support, I was able to invest in some additional equipment uh, just to make this more, you know, more efficient to do, a better setup. I was able to recently buy a, a nice boom arm for the microphone, a nice stand, a nice holder. It's just a lot more accessible, a lot more professional than just having it on a little tripod. If it weren't for your support, that wouldn't happen, so thank you so much there. And also, of course, with the expansion, being able to get this show to some of the AM stations uh, and also maintaining what we have on the shortwave. But let's keep that going. Thank you so much for all that you do. You guys keep it going. I'm not going to rely on monetization or not. So thank you for all that you do. All right. Now, with that having been said, let's get right into the discussion about Halloween. And thank you for tuning in and joining in to today's broadcast of VORW International, the special Halloween edition, a special program that I I publicized a bit last week, and we're following through, we're going ahead with it, and I hope you enjoy the show. This, This segment of the broadcast is all about the paranormal. Um, I figured if there was one one topic that is best suited for a day like today, for Halloween, it is the paranormal. So in this broadcast, we're going to be sharing your paranormal experiences, and we have a lot of good ones here for you. Uh, we, we've got a lot. There's, there's so much that I want to get to. We have a lot of written uh, pieces of correspondence. We also have a few... Uh, audio recordings that you guys sent in that I also want to get to. So thank you so much to everyone who took the time to send in your correspondence. It's great. And on a brief note, uh, the subject for next week's show is open lines. You can talk about anything that you want to talk about, any subjects, any questions, topics, uh, points, if there's any info you want to suggest. Uh, anything could talk about UFOs, conspiracies, cryptids, society, philosophy, uh, you know, something that's completely, you know, completely harmless. You can talk about, you know, suits if you want, or you can talk about, uh, you know, spiders or anything, uh, Keebler elves, anything in between. But the way to do that, just send me an email with anything that you want to talk about. I encourage it. Open lines next week. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. That's V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. So that's how it's done. That's the way to do it. And of course, you can get to your microphone, too, and record in your feedback like you'll see being done this show 
and uh, you just have a lot of good stuff for you. So with that mentioned, I'll shout out the email address again later on. Uh, let's just get into it with your paranormal experiences. Uh, so, you know, when it comes down to this, we have a lot to share, and you be the judge. That's just what it comes down to. So I hope you enjoy what is to follow. You're going to hear lots of experiences uh, from all sorts of perspectives, you name it. So hope you enjoy. Uh, let's just go in order with, with whatever came in. All right. Ashley in Colorado checks in first, and she says, The home I grew up in, where my parents and some of my siblings still live, was built in 1927. It includes an old tea room, a piano manufactured in the late 1800s, and other evidence of its age. It's quite charming most days, though it has its fair share of eerie occurrences. Anyone who stays in that home long enough comes to find that there is something obscure about it. We've all seen shadow people, people dressed in old-style clothing, and heard unexplained voices and sounds throughout the years. Now, this is just one incident that has stuck with me. It was a summer break and I was around 11 years old. The sun was just barely coming up, and I awoke to someone standing next to my bed, a shadowy figure to my eyes as the sun had not fully shone yet. It was shorter than me, and I instantly became angry thinking it was one of my brothers uh, that had snuck into my room to take one of my video games. So I jumped out of bed yelling, get out of my room, as any annoyed sister would. The figure went out the door, but I wasn't yet satisfied, so I ran after it. We went down the dark hall, then into the dining room, where we ran a few laps around the table until I had caught up. I reached for it, my grasp falling through the shadowy apparition. It froze and then disintegrated into nothingness. I felt cold and developed goosebumps on my arm. I went to check the two rooms where all my brothers still slept undisturbed. This wasn't my first run-in with our ghostly housemates, so I knew exactly what had happened after concluding the boys were asleep. I ran back to my room as quickly as I could, as I was afraid of being alone in that dark hallway. I got into bed and covered my head with blankets until the sun was fully up and I felt safe again. So that was from Ashley in Colorado. Uh, that, that is creepy to think that, you know, you definitely saw one of the shadowy apparitions, of course, that a lot of people do report. Uh, that is a common sighting, right? But that, that would be creepy to see that right next to your bed. You think that it's one of your siblings, you go after it, and then there's nothing there. I, I mean, that, that that's as creepy to think about, quite honestly, so thank you so much. Let's go over to Travis, who's checking in. He says, When I was younger, I suffered from extreme night terrors for quite a few years, in the range of six to nine years old. I would wake up almost every night, throwing up and screaming from terrible nightmares. But at my house, my parents slept upstairs, so they normally would not wake up to my screams, and I shared a room with two older brothers who would usually just go back to sleep. But because of my night terrors, I could not sleep after waking up, and would just sit in bed, looking out the window at the edge of my feet. I would always see these very tall, thin, shadow-like figures standing outside the forest that was in our backyard. 
They would walk around and sometimes come up to the window and just watch. This happened almost every few nights and gave me a feeling like they wanted to do something to me and it terrified me to the point where I had to put blankets over my windows in the night because I didn't know if it was my dreams or reality. Now, years later, I figured that it was all in my dreams, and I had not taken the blankets down since to find otherwise. But then my brothers, who shared the room with me, said that they would see the same things at night. Uh, when I would wake them from my night terrors, uh, we had a triple bunk bed, all looking out the same window for... get a picture of it. And after realizing that they, too, had seen them, I knew it was possible that it was not just in my dreams, and that they had been frightened by these figures also. Being curious, I googled our house and found out that it had been built in 1857 and was a cemetery headstone maker's property. So it made sense, since right next to our property was a very old cemetery. The headstone maker who lived at the property had been arrested and they found his mother dead in her room and also discovered that there were bodies missing from the cemetery that were hid in the old barn on the property. Now after that, of course, the property was sold and eventually over the years ended up with us in 2002. But something interesting that my dad said after I started asking him about the house and if he knew the history of it was that they had found a broken up stairwell underneath where her closet was. Uh, but my dad had just covered it up and put floor down where it was when we renovated the house. He told me that he never uncovered it to see what was down there. Now, I'm still not sure if those figures were real, and even if I believe in ghosts, uh, but because of the history and our old house, I can believe that those figures may actually have been there, especially with my brothers seeing them too. Now, I do still sleep with the blankets on the windows because of the figures to this day. Now, maybe my night terrors got the best of me in a house with a dark history, but all I know for sure is that I saw them, and I have been scared ever since. That's from Travis. Thank you so much for writing in. It was a very interesting experience that you had. Um, because what's interesting to me, number one, is that your house has a lot of history. And ver verifiably, you know, with all due respect, bad history, right? You know that over the years, bad things happened there. And I mean, it's going back, you know, centuries to 1857. So it is most certainly possible, right? One thing that I, I certainly do believe is in regards to energy that maybe things can leave certain impressions, right? On properties, locations, etc., uh, so, I mean, either way, there is definitely a lot of energy over the years of what happened there. And the other thing that gets me is regardless of what that, you know, that ever ends up being, I mean, you may never know, right? The fact that your brothers saw that as well uh, is just interesting that, you know, you have other witnesses there. Now, it might not be completely verifiable, but it's just really interesting. So thank you so much, Travis. Great to hear from you. Let's go over to Chad over in Central Florida. And he says the following is a narrative that my grandmother told me about an encounter with an apparition that she had while staying at an old friend's house during the year 2009. Graham and Pap were staying with their friends during a visit to Pennsylvania, 
Now, on the first night while staying in a room on the second floor of the house, Grandma said that in the middle of the night, she saw a ghost-like figure of an old woman walking down the hallway toward the door of the room they were staying in. She said the woman was a large woman by the round face that she had and was tall. She had on a black dress, uh, the kind that people used to be buried in in the early 1900s. She also said the woman was wearing glasses and had her hair pulled back. She also said that the woman was holding a flashlight with both hands and was waving it around. In an earlier telling of the story, I think she said it was a lantern, but later told me it was a flashlight. As the ghostly old woman approached the doorway, Grandma, anxious and fearful, told Pap to turn the light on quick. And as she said that, the woman gave a demonic grin as it stared at her. Once the light was turned on, the apparition disappeared. They both slept with the light on and the door closed for the rest of their week's stay. Now, I think that my grandmother probably experienced a waking dream or night terror, but whatever the case, she experienced something intense that terrified her so much that she believes it was a spirit. So thank you, Chad, from Central Florida there. Right, and exactly, that's a good attitude to have. Regardless of what it ended up being, right, you know that something happened that left that lasting impression. We do have a few pieces of recorded correspondence, and I'm just going to bounce back, uh, you know, back and forth. First, I want to go over to Mike, who has a few thoughts he wants to share. Mike, you're on the air. Welcome to the show. Hey, John. It's Mike from England here. And first of all, I just wanted to say thank you for last week's episode. It was one of the best episodes you brought out, in my opinion. And the idea that you brought up of being an individual in a society which it's much easier to conform to what is normal was a point which uh, really hit close to home and I think is something that's really important. So moving on to the subject, which is scary stories for Halloween. For this episode, I have a story which happened to me a few years back. I think it was like five or six years ago when I was on holiday in Madeira with my family. So I got up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. After using the bathroom... I was making my way back to my room, obviously, to go back to sleep. So we live in the middle of a forest, so it's not uncommon to hear rustling. But there was a loud rustle outside. So obviously, it being common occurrence, I sort of just ignored it. But then it continued and it got louder and louder. So as I turn to see what's causing this rustling, I see like a big black vague figure. So obviously, I was startled. And instead of choosing to run... I sort of froze in my spot. Me and the figure sort of maintained eye contact for like 10 seconds. And then as soon as I blinked, it vanished. So obviously I was <laughs> I was scared out of my mind. So I ran to my mum's room and I literally, I slept with her for the rest of the holiday. <laughs> so what made the event even more creepy was the fact that the next morning... During breakfast, I sort of recounted the story to my family. And before I could even finish the story, my brother interjected saying that he he basically described a similar figure that had sat on the foot of his bed and disappeared after a few seconds. So, yeah, that's my scary story. Well, it's not too scary, but it's quite spooky. I hope you enjoyed it to an extent. 
And yeah, I really look forward to the next podcast and wish you and everyone listening a happy Halloween. So thank you very much. That was from Mike in England. And the the one thing that really does interest me about these experiences is the fact that when it's not just you, right, when you go ahead and you, you share it with someone else and, you know, they don't just dismiss you or, or they don't just kind of say, yeah, right, whatever, uh, you know, they, they go ahead and they say, you know, it's, it's funny that you brought that up because I experienced something similar. So it's always interesting to me when you have multiple encounters uh, that, you know, are from the same place, but from different people. So it's really interesting. Again, thank you so much, Mike. Well, let's keep it with the audio recordings and go over to Sam in the UK. Hi, John. I've got a scary story that was told to me by a colleague that happened to him a few years ago. So he was sent to Russia with a team of researchers to look at individuals who were living in radiated areas. And I'm not talking like central where you could sort of grow a limb radiated areas. But on the outside, there are declassified pockets that are considered uh, you could live there. So he was there and one evening he woke up and he was on the floor and he heard a knocking against the door. And of course, it's a very rural area. There's lots of trees around. So, you know, he sort of brushed it off as the wind and sort of thought nothing of it. And then he's sort of going back to sleep. And the same knocking happened again, but a bit louder. Exactly the same knocking. It was like a knock twice and then a stop. And then he's sort of getting concerned. So he woke up a colleague next to him and sort of said, look, I think somebody is there. And they waited. And then again, the knocking happened again, but very, very loudly this time. And they went completely quiet because they had no idea who or what it was. And because they were so far out of the way, you know, who could it have been? So in the morning, they, when the resident had woke up who was living there, they had asked him whether this has ever happened before. And he had said that it's only ever happened once. And whenever it did, he went quiet because he was never sure who it was. And so I thought that was a bit interesting because, you know, being so far out of the way, you don't know who or what it was. So I thought that was quite interesting. And that was from Sam in the UK. Thank you very much, Sam, for sharing your encounter as well, your friend's encounter. I've read about these types of things before. What always creeps me out about them, too, is like when it's, you know, when it's out there in a remote area, it's it's obviously something that's really going to catch you off guard. And you're like, what is going on? I mean, those things have always, like, it's just, I think one added aspect of it, too, uh, is the isolation, right? That's just one thing that especially gets me. All right, now let's go over to Miles in England. Now, he just had a question. This was in writing now. Back to the email. He says, my question for you this week is, why, whenever people are talking about ghosts, they are only from around 200 years ago, uh, the Victorian era or the Middle Ages, and why do people never see ghosts from ancient Greece or Rome? Well, it's an interesting question. I mean, one thing, though, I, I disagree with that. Uh, I think perhaps also in, in, you know, of course, popular culture, while certain things may gather all the attention, it doesn't mean that something else just doesn't exist otherwise and isn't talked about, right? Uh, I mean, for instance, you look at something with YouTube. For every video that, let's say, gets done 
about a certain topic, let's say a popular topic, right? And some video uh, goes viral or gets, you know, picked by the algorithm or whatever. Someone puts some money to it and, you know, they get that backing. That's practically what everyone is going to see on this topic. That's what's going to get suggested. It's going to get passed around. That's what everyone's going to see. But for that one video, there's probably thousands of others that maybe are just as credible. Maybe they're not. They might be even better than that one, but they only get one view. No one ever sees it. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, or because it's not necessarily in vogue or uh, very popular, right? It doesn't mean that it never existed in the first place. They're still there, they just don't have the spotlight put on them. I mean, I've seen many stories and reports of people who have experienced uh, ghosts or spirits, you know, that are much, much older than just being from, let's say, the Victorian era 200 years ago. I mean, if you really want to go back, uh, I know it's not completely on topic, but it's something worth uh, looking up. Uh, ghosts, I mean, go all the way back to Mesopotamia. I mean, you know, you start going back to just the very, very beginnings uh, of just organized society, right? Albeit primitive, but, you know, it's as organized as we get. Uh, Egypt as well. You start seeing that there too as well. So, I mean, it goes back far. Uh, you just kind of have to look a little more. you got to sift through things. But it's there. It's there. Don't get me wrong, Miles, but thank you for writing in. And now going over to an experience from Nathan in Illinois. And he writes, I have felt tied to the spiritual for a long time because my birthday is on Halloween. So happy birthday to you, Nathan. Personally, I've never experienced anything overly paranormal in my life. However... That doesn't stop me from believing in other people's experiences, or that the paranormal in general uh, does exist to some degree. Although I think that it exists more in people's heads than in objective reality, that does not discount these people's experience, uh, though, because all that we know, right, is what exists within our heads. I think that the paranormal may exist within our world, uh, but that it feeds off the fear and negative energy that people supply it with, in essence, creating a positive feedback loop that empowers the presence. You know, in many accounts of hauntings, a person who is unafraid of the paranormal activity, you know, they'll be unaffected. I think it's because fear may give these entities power over the individual and even the masses at times. Someday I hope to encounter the paranormal in some way to truly experience the feeling for myself. That's my two cents on the manner, at least. Keep it up. I look forward to the broadcast. Thank you very much, Nathan, for writing in. And sticking with Illinois, uh, we got an email from Nick in Illinois who says, The following story isn't my experience. It's actually something my girlfriend, Ginny, experienced while she worked at a hospital. She said that it happened late one night after dinner uh, when she was making her way back to the cafeteria with her cart. How this hospital was set up, you had to walk back through the hallway that led to the morgue to get back to the cafe. So she said that night, the part of the hallway that led down to the morgue was dark, and the only light that was on in that part of the hallway was the red light right above the morgue's door. And she said that she saw a person standing by the morgue's entrance looking back at her. 
and she called out trying to get their attention, but they just stood there. She said that it felt quite uncomfortable, and one of her co-workers called out to her from down the hallway uh, that led to the cafe. She looked away for just a moment to reply. When she looked back to the entrance, the person was gone. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. That's a creepy one right there. I mean, of course, number one, knowing what, you know, that it is a place of death, of course, and negative energies, and the fact that it's dark, and that's all you see, this this figure there. And that's another creepy one right there. Again, you're listening to VORW International, going out online and on the shortwave 7780 kHz. The topic for next week's broadcast is open lines. If you have any comments, any questions, pieces of feedback, or anything you want to hear me discuss next week, open your email right now and send me an email to VORWINFO at gmail.com. All right, we got some new emails coming in. Uh, we've got, as I'm recording this, Sebastian P. in El Paso, Texas. says, I've got a spooky story for the show. When I was 16, I went on a study abroad program overseas in England, and it was really fun. I got to meet a lot of people from over the world. We were all in the same school and classes uh, living in dorms. So one day I went to the showers in the late afternoon, I walked into the shared bathrooms, and to my convenience, they were empty, right, because no one likes showering with other people around. And then I hear someone walk in and open the stall next to me and turn the shower on. He starts singing in Italian, and it caught my attention, so I asked where he was from. And he answered in Italian. After a couple of attempts at a conversation, I eventually disregarded it. As I finished my shower, I went to the mirrors which were in the middle of the room to dry my hair, brush my teeth, and he kept talking in Italian to me. So I ignored it and went through my routine. When I was on the way out, the door to my left, I looked back to say goodbye, only to see the shower stall next to me with the door wide open and the water still running. Nobody could have gotten out or in without me noticing as the only door uh, was in plain sight. Now, spooky, I know, it gets weirder. Later on that night, I was in the room with my roommate, who had just came back from the showers, and he told me he heard an Italian boy, but was shocked to see no one was there, which spooked me because that had just happened earlier to me. So we kept on talking, and I chose not to tell him about the experience I had earlier. Then all of a sudden, this cold atmosphere fills the room, I get up to grab a blanket. His towel, which was laid on the bed, was flinged off by this invisible force. I was scared to death and immediately ran to the door he had left open, only to have it slammed in my face. A wide open door slammed in my face. I couldn't believe my eyes. I opened it, ran out the hallway, only to feel a tense and sharp sting and both my legs so strong brought me to the ground. To this day, I think about this, and how I even slept that night. It's by far the scariest day of my life. So, that was from Sebastian in El Paso, Texas. You know, that's a creepy one, too. And what that tells me, that force, you know, didn't seem like... When you hear about various encounters, 
it's as though you can, you know, attribute various almost, you know, in a sense, personalities, uh, where some are just, are there, they're just existing, right? Others uh, seem to just be maybe even friendly a little bit, you know, maybe curious, and others are just plain malevolent, uh, which I would say that one is. Uh, certainly not nice with what it was doing to you guys. But thank you for taking the time, Sebastian, to share your experience. We got a few more pieces of audio feedback coming in with Kevin checking in. Hey, what's up, Review Bra and all your listeners out there? Uh, so you asked for paranormal stories, so I'll share mine. Since I was a kid, I've been working at a haunted house. Now, in the context I'm using the term, uh, just in case somebody doesn't have such an attraction in their area, it's a Halloween attraction where people have built horrific scenery. It could be indoors or outdoors, and customers pay to walk through, and there are actors in the scenery and the actors might jump out and yell at you to try to startle you they might come out and have some sort of dialogue that correlates with the scene in which they are placed etc it's all for fun it's entertaining so this haunted house that i work at it's an old building uh i believe it was built in 1932 and at the time it was called the guggenheim airship institute they have these two big wind tunnels and at the time they would use the wind tunnels to test parachutes spacecraft aircraft and they would see how those craft would respond to different wind speeds and air pressure etc they had actual monkeys on the premises and they would train the monkeys to man some of the first spacecraft that they sent out into space um you know because they they sent monkeys out before they would send humans right so a lot of weird just weird experiments in history that went on in this building and as you can imagine there were some accidents and some people did die in this building. Uh, there was a wind tunnel accident. Um, somebody was electrocuted. Uh, supposedly a receptionist hung herself. Uh, there's another story of somebody who was killed by one of the monkeys. So, you know, it's kind of the perfect storm, perfect scenario for a quote-unquote haunted house, right? And indeed, most people who have worked there for more than a season do believe that the building is haunted. So many people have reported seeing shadows walk across hallways. Uh, there's a story where somebody was working on one of the scenes during the off season and one of their wrenches disappeared. You know, they said to their coworker, what'd you do with my wrench? And like, I don't have it. I don't have it, etc. About 30 seconds later, they heard a clang, a loud clang way over on the other side of the floor that they were on. So they went and looked and there was their wrench. They were the only two people in the building. So somehow this wrench got from their toolbox all the way across the building and was thrown or dropped or landed some kind of way that it made this clanging sound. People have reported curtains being pulled back and it looks like somebody's looking through the curtain. Um, I'll tell one of the experiences that I had several years ago um, like I said, I've been there since I was a kid. So it was a Sunday night. We were going to be closed for three, maybe even four days. It was the end of the night. You know, they turned all the lights off. Everybody was downstairs. And I realized I forgot my glasses. So I said to the manager at the time, like, hey, I forgot my glasses. I'm not going to be able to have them for the next three, maybe four days. So he says, okay, well, take my flashlight and go up and get your glasses. So here I am. I'm going up 
four flights of steps. It was all the way up on the top floor in the dark with nothing but a flashlight. Um, So I go all the way up and I get to the very last flight of steps that I needed to go up. And something just felt a little off. That's the best way I can describe it. And I shined the light up to the top of the steps. And I kid you not, I'm getting chills thinking about it right now. There was a figure standing there. I saw it plain as day. It looked like a figure wearing a black robe. As soon as my eyes sort of focused and I realized what I was looking at and I was about to gasp and it was gone. But I know I saw it. And of course, then I had to subsequently walk up the steps and through that area where this thing was just standing to get my glasses. And I really wanted my glasses, so I went ahead and got them and I just got the hell out of there as quickly as I could. So that's just one of the things that I have seen slash heard in this building. Um, I do believe it's haunted and I'm definitely not the only one. So it sounds like it was a really interesting facility with a lot of interesting history as well. And again, tying into what we were saying earlier, having that dark past, is there a correlation between that and experiences or perhaps the prevalence thereof uh, who's to say, but it's certainly, I think, a pattern that a lot of us uh, have have noticed, you know, in, in past and present, of course. Logan in Mississippi is checking in as well. Hello, Review Bar. My name is Logan. I'm from Mississippi. I've written in a few times. Um, I'd like to uh, add to the topic of conversation of spooky things happening. Um, well, I'm just going to get right to it. Um, me and my friend... Well, once, while I was at Job Corps, we were riding a bus home from the bowling alley back to the Job Corps Center where we stayed. And as we were riding, we were looking out the windows, and I saw a cloud that was fairly oddly shaped. And I had shown it to that friend of mine, and we were agreeing how oddly shaped it was and how it could look, it looked so much like a UFO, you know. And then we jokingly started to joke about, well, what if it moved? Or what if after it passed these trees, it wasn't there? And, well, exactly that happened. As we were riding, we kept watching it. And <clears throat> and we went behind some trees. We went, The trees covered the cloud. And as we broke the other side of the trees, the cloud was nowhere in sight. Now, it wasn't like we had gone some great distance behind these trees and the cloud hadn't been, we had passed it, or the wind was blowing and the clouds had moved. The clouds that the moonlight had broke through were there still. There was not very much movement of the clouds, but that one particular cloud was gone. And we both got the chills. I'm talking goosebumps all the way. And I just thought that was fairly odd. You may want to put this on your show. If so, that'd be great. Love listening to you. Thank you. And thank you. That was from Logan in Mississippi. Going over to a little bit of a UFO encounter there. And that's it. I can't even imagine your reactions when you see this thing. You You don't know if it's a cloud. You don't know what it is. Right? You go through some trees. You expect it to still be there. And it's just gone. In, in, in the, like in the blink of an eye, right? You said that it wasn't like you were going through this huge wooded expanse. It was only a very, very short period of time 
that your visual contact was broken. So very interesting experience, and thank you so much for taking the time to share it with everyone here at VORW. Now going back over to some of the written correspondence that we've gotten, uh, like I said, there was a lot of great pieces of feedback that came in, and uh, let's just keep it going. So we have an email coming in from Matthew in Oklahoma City. When I was in my middle teens, I was staying the night at my friend Mason's house. He was going to sleep on his bed, and I was laying down on the floor next to the bed. It was dark, uh, but his computer monitor was on at the time, shedding some light in the room. We had just laid down and were chatting about girls and games and other typical teen stuff. Suddenly, a shoe that was sitting at the foot of my makeshift bed flew to the other side of the room. In an arc, as if someone had gently underhand tossed it. I was speechless, but Mason interrupted by saying, This is the crap I deal with. I can't remember the details now, but a few years later, I told my parents about this, and they told me their friends, Mason's parents, had told them they thought the house was haunted. I never felt creeped out while I visited, but apparently... Everyone that lived there had creepy stories. I enjoyed the show. Listen via the podcast. Thanks for all that you do. Thank you, Matthew, in Oklahoma City. <laughs> what gets me about that, right, is is the nonchalant kind of, you know, reaction or lack thereof. He's just, he's, you know, he's not freaking out. He's not going crazy. It's like, hey, look, this is this is what I got to put up with. You know, <laughs> here it is, right there. So it seems like it's a relatively common occurrence. And I could understand where you're coming from in regards to stuff like that, because, you know, I've had something like that that happened to me when I was young. And granted, when it comes down to the paranormal, I always try to just be open-minded about things. You know, I'm not necessarily going to take everything at face value, uh, but neither will I dismiss it either. And, I mean, over the years, right, I initially used to be very open to it, then I kind of got a little more closed-minded, uh, but now I'm getting more open-minded about things again because I, you know, everyone's different, but this is how it is. We all change, uh, you know, but I remember when I was very young and I was helping just, it wasn't anything too serious, but I just wanted to help a little bit. It wasn't any big deal. It was, it was during the fall. It was around this time of year. This is when I lived in New York, so the leaves were coming down. And my family, we always liked to rake the yard, right? Do that just the old-fashioned way with just a, a standard rake. And again, I was young, so I, I was just doing a little bit here and there. I just wanted to do it. I liked the leaves, you know. I was just doing a little raking in the backyard. And I had this rake, you know, at the time it was probably bigger than me. And I was able to maneuver it around here and there. And I was just doing a little, little bit of stuff. And... All of a sudden, the rake, and I'll never forget it, gets propelled out of my hands. And I remember, I remember twisting my head, right? Because I'm standing there, and you know, you ever get something that's just like forced out of your hands, like you lose grip, and it's not a force that you are in control of, right? Especially when it's something that you didn't anticipate, 
it's like, whoa, what, what is this? You know, you feel that it's just an, another force, something that did not originate from you that is doing this. Now, sometimes it's another person, sometimes it's the elements, whatever, but I remember this rake goes flying out of my hands, and it got, like, propelled by some sort of unseen force to the left of me. Uh, a good distance, too. I would say about 30 feet, probably. And I remember, as a kid, I was startled, and I twist my head to the left, and I'm able to catch this rake. Just, again, it was like someone just, with some great force, threw it out of my grip over over to the left, about 30 feet. And, yeah, I just see this thing kind of catapulting, and then I, I hear it, you know, fall and, you know, kind of land in, in, in the dirt near some bushes. Unfortunately, my parents were out in, in, on the other side of the house. No one else saw it. I'm the only witness, but it's like, you know, people will dismiss that. They'll say, that's BS, you know, I couldn't have... That, that can't happen. But I know what I saw, and I have no explanation for it. You know, something isn't just supposed to fly out of your hands like that. And never to this day have I an explanation. I don't know what happened. I have no clue, but it's something that I'll never forget. So, you know, it just it, it brought about an experience of my own that I remember uh, from when I was young. When you mentioned that shoe just kind of get tossed on its own, so it seemed, that just reminded me of that time with that rake, and I never shared that one on the air before, but I never forget it, you know? It's just it's one of those things, it's, it's, etched, it's etched in there. Fabrizio in Brazil, going back to the email, uh, just has a short comment. He says, I'm a faithful listener, tune in every week. Regarding this week's topic, I have indeed had a supernatural experience. I once saw a ghostly tall gentleman in my sister's room in the middle of the night. The interesting thing was that he had a blue, or, or he was blue or had this blue aura around him. Now, was he real or something from my imagination? I don't know, but I've never been able to forget it. That's from Fabrizio in Brazil. And absolutely, like, when you see something that's not supposed to be there, you just, you know, regardless of how often or not that happens, uh, you know, you never forget that type of stuff. Uh, now we have an anonymous listener. Says it's my first time emailing in. And to give a little bit of a spooky story, I was lying on my bed in my room when I was around nine years old. I don't recall being sick, but I was most certainly tired. And I was about to doze off when I saw someone pass by my bedroom door, and it was my older brother. Now, I thought he went to his friend's house, so I got up and I asked my mom, uh, where's Michael? And she replied, saying that he's still at his friend's house. Now, I know it isn't that scary, uh, but I'd like to direct this question to you. Uh, have you ever experienced any hallucinations or... Something on the lines like that. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much for yours, for writing in and sharing your experience. Yeah, seeing... You thought you saw your brother, right? Obviously, that wasn't the case. I, I imagine, especially at the time, maybe it was just because you were, uh, you know, kind of half asleep. Uh, but who's to say? But obviously, again, it's something that you're not going to forget. Now, in regards to hallucinations, I'll tell you why I don't 
I don't necessarily like the term hallucinations, but the problem with the word hallucinations is that it immediately gives a connotation, intentional or otherwise, that you're not of sound mind, and that your credibility uh, doesn't, you know, doesn't exist, resultingly, just because of one word. Um, but, you know, if you just say it was an experience, then that's totally fine. But yeah, it's just something that I don't draw much attention to and I don't talk about, but it is what it is. So back to the experiences, uh, Daniel is sending in an email, and he says, My childhood house was haunted. I had several experiences, including radios blaring when no one was home, cans sliding across countertops, blanket tugging to beds shaking. You know when it was around because a heavy feeling would come over you, and it would feel as if someone was right behind you. Now I call this ghost the Orange Man because of the hue that surrounds its empty, black hole-like body. Although completely black, darker holes were in the place of its eyes and nose. Now one particular night stands out, though. It was the night my cat woke me out of a dead sleep. Uh, my cat would scream to get into the attic, so we didn't let it up there because it would probably stay up there for days without eating, and we would literally have to pull it from out of the floorboards. Uh, one time, we pulled it out and found an old Polaroid of a soldier standing outside of a house. But anyway, the cat woke me up, and I was angry and turned around to toss a pillow at it, and there it stood, towering over me, moving from side to side, hiding behind the wall, and then coming out to look at me on my den couch. I thought someone was in my house legitimately, as it moved back and forth from wall to hallway, it suddenly disappeared. And at that point, I jumped up because I thought it had ducked behind the back of the couch. And I turned on the light and yelled, Who's in my effing house? Uh, I summed up enough courage to go into the hallway to look around, but I didn't see anything. I ran downstairs and called for my mother. Ma, get up. Someone's in the house, I exclaimed. Uh, dazed and half asleep, she replied, No one is in the house. The alarm is on. Now, I saw someone and forced her to check the entire house with me. I later told my brother and uh, explained the experience. He turned white with fear and said, Something watched me for two hours while standing at the end of the hallway the other night. Now, anyway... I messaged the Ghost Adventures crew to check out the house twice, but haven't had any luck getting in touch. But who knows, maybe the podcast will get them out there for a real investigation. We no longer live there, but it is absolutely haunted, and it should be investigated. Have a happy Halloween from Daniel. So thank you, Daniel, for sharing your experience with the Orange Man. And that is, that is creepy, because I imagine it looks so lifelike, too, uh, that it just must be a real jolt you know. And Ghost Adventures, they're, they're always cool. I always like Zach. He's, uh, you know, they, they, they certainly, you know, they might hype things up, right? But I, I enjoy what they do. So thank you very much, Daniel. We got a lot of great emails and we got some more coming in. Joshua in Mobile, Alabama says, I've always been an open-minded person and even though I haven't had any paranormal experiences in my life, 
I feel like anything in life is possible. When I was a teenager, I'd watch the show Unsolved Mysteries with the late, great Robert Stack as the host. And on that show, they would sometimes have stories based on UFO sightings and stories based on places that are haunted, whether it's an old hotel or a ship. And people would share their experience on what they went through and witnesses that would back up their stories. And also they would feature uh, the news and hear more and more stories about some people having a paranormal experience. Some would even write books about what they had gone through. I feel like a few people might make these stories up, but I feel like the majority aren't. I believe that aliens and UFOs are real, as well as the spirits of some deceased people that are haunting different places for some reason. If the universe can be created, then anything can happen. And I would recommend watching the show Unsolved Mysteries. It's free on YouTube. Very interesting show. Hope everyone has a great Halloween. Stay safe from Joshua over in Mobile, Alabama. And uh, yeah, you know, believe it or not, recently, now I'll be completely honest, when it comes down to TV, I am not the biggest TV watcher. Uh, If there is something that I'm going to watch, usually it's online, or or I'll go old school over the uh, the radio. So as a result, I don't have uh, cable TV, nor do I have satellite. I don't have any of that, because it's just, again, I'm old school, but I just am not... I'm not a big TV watcher, you know, it's not something that I need, right? And uh, anyway, I was able to hook up an antenna, and I was able to get the -the over-the-air television, uh, which again is all that I need. I just have, uh, you know, if I want to watch the local news for Florida, then I got that. And there's a few other channels worth watching, too. Uh, One of them that surprised me was NHK World, uh, which I'm surprised I can get over here, but... Uh, that's awesome. I, I like NHK. I listen to them on the shortwave usually, but that's irrelevant. Uh, but one channel kind of has like the crime stuff, you know, true crime, all that. And at night, I guess to fill in some of the time, they'll play uh, episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. And I've been watching that, and I used to when I was young, and now I'm I'm kind of at it again. Yeah, it's, it's a great show. It's really interesting, and uh, you're right, I, I I just looked on YouTube, and you can find it there also if you would rather just uh, go that way. But yeah, they're full episodes right there for your viewing pleasure. And I know it's not relevant, um, but it is something, since I'm talking about YouTube, a while back I was talking about Missing411. If you search that on YouTube right now, uh, you can watch, you know, because there are a few, right, it's a book series, but there were a few adaptations, I think just two at this point, in regards to, uh, you know, just, again, an adaptation to film. Um, but the original one, Missing 411, it's an hour and 37 minutes, released in 2017, so it's pretty new. You could watch it for free on YouTube right now. Uh, I suggest when you have the time, do it. Uh, I watched it the other day, and it's one of those things... Do not watch it expecting answers, right? That's not the point of it. Uh, Again, it's about people that go missing in, you know, some of the national parks or in these very rural, remote areas. And uh, the first one that I watched, anyway, is about um, kids that go missing. And trust me, lots of kids go missing each year. Uh, Make no mistake... 
uh, sometimes under very, very mysterious circumstances. And what it does is it just outlines, uh, you know, just a number of these circumstances, and it's really, really interesting. And again, the whole point of it is not to say, here's what happened to him, uh, you know, it was Bigfoot, or it was, you know, UFOs, or it was some sort of organized group that kidnapped him um, for misdeeds, or it was just the fact that the kid wandered off, or whatever. Uh, it, it's not about speculation. They never even point the finger at anyone or anything. The whole point is to acknowledge the fact that this exists and that there are some instances of this that just make no sense whatsoever. So, I watched it. You know, it's kind of fast-paced where, I mean, there's so much that I got they got to get through. I wish that they spent a little bit more time on every case. Um, but overall, it's really well done. Uh, there's also another one that doesn't just focus on children, um, but that one was released in 2019. It's brand new. Uh, you you got to pay to watch it, and I'm actually I got to tell you, I uh, I might I might I might buy it honestly, three ninety nine, but it's called The Hunted. I haven't seen this one, but it's about hunters uh, that have disappeared. So of course this one isn't just about kids, where you can just say, oh, it's just a kid that'll wander off, whatever, right? The next is supposed to be about people, uh, you know, who you would think would know what they're doing out in the wilderness. So, honestly, I'm probably going to buy that one soon and see what it's about, but I recommend it. I mean, I know in the Bigfoot show that I did, I said check out Missing 411, and, uh, yeah, look, you can... I recommend the literature, too, but definitely check it out on YouTube, uh, and, and find it. It's right there, it's at the top of the page, and uh, it's worth looking into. I think it's an hour and 37 minutes of your time that... I think you'll find it interesting. I certainly did. We'll get to another piece of written correspondence, and we have a few more recordings, and then we'll get to some more emails and then wrap it up. But I hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, it's a lot of fun just seeing these different experiences, and there's just a lot of variety, which is awesome. I, I love it. It's great. So thank you so much to everyone who's writing in. And, uh, hey, let's keep it going. Let's go over to Jessica in Wales, UK. She writes, A big fan, but first time submitting to the show. I've had a lot of experiences, so it's hard to narrow down just a few to mention here, but with regards to your paranormal show. I've always had what I believed to be paranormal experiences since childhood. When I was younger, I would see people who weren't really there. On one particular note, I was able to recall her name and where her house was positioned on a street nearby and what her house actually had looked like at the time she lived there um, because we had communicated and she told me all these things. When I was older, my mom told me that the person I was describing as a child was actually a neighbor's parent who had died before I was born, and that the address and style of house I would describe to her was exactly where she had lived, and what her house had looked like at the time. I know it had changed since I was born. We'd always joked that this woman's spirit had simply come to the wrong house, and there's no reason I would have known any of that info. Uh, we aren't close or overly friendly with that neighbor, so there's no reason why I would ever have heard anyone describing that info to me. My brothers both also experienced paranormal sights, sounds, etc., 
and this was just a normal part of life for us growing up. Uh, however, now they are older, my brothers both deny this and say they don't remember any of it or believe it. So, interjecting, obviously things can change, but uh, anyway, let's hear what you have to say. Continuing, I have heard, seen, smelt, felt things that could not be explained my entire life, as have both of my parents. This, however, does make me wonder if perhaps it's learned behavior or something of that nature. However, me and my dad have both seen the exact same person at different times, different places in the house, without each other even knowing. This person was stood in the same way, wearing the exact same oddly specific and unusual clothing, and we only found about each other's stories uh, because my mom was explaining what my dad had seen, and I realized it was exactly what I had seen on asking uh, my dad about it. He described it down to the minute detail the person I'd seen with, without me telling anyone. So some things are easy to say, okay, that was weird, but whatever. But sometimes, like with my neighbor's dead mother or me and my dad seeing the same person, it's a bit harder to explain. So uh, thank you, Jess. And that's what I was saying. Like one thing that definitely gives a lot of credibility to things uh, is when there's someone else that sees the exact same thing, right? But even when you are the only one that experiences it, no one should just deny it outright because there was no other witness, right? Like, let's circle back to, you know, how I was when I was a kid. And I remember seeing, right, this rake that was just forced out of my hands. I was the only person there that, that witnessed this. You know, who's going to believe you if you sit there and you say, I was raking the lawn and then the rake gets forced out of my hands and flies 30 feet across the yard? No one's just going to say, you you threw it, or, you know, you put it there and made it upright, because I was a kid. I, there's no way I could have thrown that thing that, that far. I was never a good thrower as a, as a kid. I can do a little better now, not much, admittedly, but never that good. So, you know, people will just dismiss it sometimes. But, you know, I remember what I saw. And it was it was so real, you know, and I have, again, no explanation for it. Uh, so thank you very much for your experience. Again, just to interject real quick, uh, coming up in the next broadcast, again, is Open Lines. So if there's anything that you want to talk about, any topics, topic suggestions, or points you want to raise, email is open, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. This broadcast is funded uh, for your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash the report of the week, and on PayPal to v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. The show has its production costs, its airtime costs. Please consider supporting it, v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com via PayPal. And thank you so much in advance if you do. Going over to a miscellaneous comment from Joanne in San Diego, California. As a shy and introverted child, I disliked trick-or-treating very much, uh, but I mostly recall Halloween as a night during my high school years in which dinner was eaten by a flashlight because my parents didn't want people ringing the doorbell. Annoying and awkward. Uh, personally, I do like the dark aesthetic, though. Thanks, and have a happy Halloween from Joanne, San Diego, California. So thank you very much for your email there. I like the uh, the aesthetic of it, too. It's, it's a lot of fun, you know. So continuing, 
uh, we go over to Eric in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, who has something for the Halloween show. Uh, great to hear from you again, Eric. Welcome. Happy Halloween, John. It's Eric in Atlanta here. I want to start by saying that I don't necessarily believe in ghosts or anything of the supernatural variety. But with that being said, there's something I experienced when I was a fairly young man that I still can't explain to this day, and it still bothers me on occasion. I was about 11, 12 years old, and my parents had taken me and my sister on a short weekend vacation to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, we were staying in a very famous hotel there, one that was known for being quote-unquote haunted. We weren't even staying in the haunted part of the hotel. We were staying in the newer part, but I guess that's beside the point. Uh, everything was going fine. I went to bed and so did my sister. Uh, I guess I had fallen asleep with the light on. As I woke up, rolled over, and it was about 1.30 in the morning, 1.30 a.m., and I just felt wrong. The lights were on, but it was too quiet. I kind of looked around and then sat up in the bed and turned to my right, and I will never forget seeing the very defined shadow of a large, well-built man on the wall. Not a man, but the shadow of a man. At first, I thought it was my own shadow, and I kind of looked around the room and tried to figure out where, you know, how the light source did that. It didn't work. Even now, I stutter my words trying to explain it. There was no way that I was casting this shadow. Furthermore, it had legs that were standing. I was sitting in a bed. Uh, the shadow's head sort of tilted like it was confused that I was looking at it. And then I felt really sick. Just really, really sick and cold. And then it sort of slid around the corner into the entryway of the hotel room. And then it was gone. I climbed out of the bed, still feeling really sick to my stomach, and looked around the room, heart racing, and through the blinds of the windows open, trying to figure out if maybe there had been someone outside, but the blinds had been all the way closed. You know, I tried to wake my mom up and tell her what happened, but she brushed me off saying it was just a dream, but even being the skeptic that I am today, I know that it wasn't a dream. Oh, I've looked into things like sleep paralysis. It doesn't fit. I could move. I could sit up. I could look around. I could feel and analyze. I don't know what it was. And the logical part of my brain tells me that there is a logical explanation for it. But in a case like this, sometimes the logical explanation is potentially just as freaky as a supernatural explanation. What if someone had been standing outside of my hotel room watching two kids sleep? Or what if something weird really did happen? I'll never know. But I just wanted to share that story with you. And thank you, Eric. It's great to hear from you once again. 
And like you said, I mean, you can still be, right? Just because you are skeptical of certain things doesn't mean you're completely close-minded about it either. Uh, like, again, you know what you saw, and it's just downright weird. Uh, you know, who knows what it really was, but either way, it's certainly an experience that you're never going to forget. You know, I remain steadfast that while there is a lot about the world and the universe and the way things are, that we now know, let's say compared to even a few decades, centuries ago, there's still so much out there that, you know, is left to be explained, if there ever will be a true explanation by, you know, by our means. And I think that there's certain things that we think we know that we just don't, you know, uh, that we think we have the answer, but it's really not, you know, eventually it'll be realized this isn't, this isn't how it is. Um, but... It is really interesting, so thank you so much for your feedback, Eric. So anyway, like we were saying, there are a couple more stories that I want to get to, and then we'll wrap things up. So let's go over to Mike, who writes in the following. My name is Mike. I'm 29 now, but back in high school, when I was around 16 years old, I had my first and only paranormal encounter. Now, in advance, I am, by and large, a skeptic when it comes to the paranormal, but myself and my friends to this day cannot explain the encounter we had one Saturday night. It was October in rural southeast Michigan. My friends and I had heard about this place in the middle of nowhere called Ghost Trestle, and legend has it that a long time ago, a man and a woman lived together in a farmhouse nearby. They had a barn with horses and lived on a small farm. One night, the wife, who was pregnant, heard screams from inside the barn and ran out to tend to her husband and investigate. Freakishly, and in a near flash, the barn went up in flames. The hay bales were instantly incinerated from something inside and the horses and her husband were trapped inside to die within minutes. The distraught, expecting mother quickly gathered herself and ran half a mile to the nearby railroad, which back then was the best hope for her to flag down some kind of help. So she ran up the dirt road until she came to a trestle, uh, which is basically a bridge where the train tracks run over the top of the road, uh, which they are perpendicular. There she wailed in agony and despair, shouting at the top of her lungs, ultimately collapsing from grief. Some time passed, but a train eventually came by, and she attempted to flag it down and get the attention of the conductor and get some help. Now that's the legend of what happened, but they say to this day you can still hear the screams of the woman along the trestle all throughout the night, and that just visiting the area leaves people stricken with feelings of grief, fatigue, and hopelessness. So my friends and I got there around 11 p.m. that night, uh, parked along the side of the road and wandered up to the bridge to stand on the tracks over the trestle. We flashed a light around and threw some rocks, but the whole thing seemed pretty uneventful. Another car pulled up shortly after and out jumped some kids who were clearly here to investigate the haunting, as were we. We were cordial to each other, but... After not hearing or seeing anything remotely spooky for a few minutes, uh, we decided to raise the stakes. Because there were now seven of us, 
we decided to go visit the house and the site of the barn fire nearby. And this is when things got weird. The two groups of us got into our respective vehicles and started down the road. We were about 100 feet down the road when we heard the blast of a train whistle and saw the flash of light. So both of our cars stopped abruptly and turned around as we all heard the sound of a train coming on down the tracks above. We quickly parked and ran back up to the trestle on foot, anxiously anticipating the train to come with the hope of some kind of paranormal encounter. Although we had both heard a train and seen the flash of light coming from down the tracks, no train came. And even looking down the tracks, we saw no sign of light in the distance. We all swore the train had to have been within a few hundred feet. The ghost trestle is in a remote place after all, so... We were just so sure we would encounter the locomotive within moments of hearing it. But that's not all what happened. Our friend who got to drive us to the trestle that night uh, was actually not thrilled to do so. He had just washed his new Jeep and didn't want it to get all dirty on the back roads. However, when we came home and into the artificial light of the driveway, what we saw blew our minds. His Jeep was covered in a layer of fresh dust from the road, but superimposed on this layer were an endless myriad of handprints. Covering almost every inch of the body of the car, the windows, and even the sunroof. None of us can explain what happened that night, but to this day we just accept that it was something paranormal. So that was Mike from Michigan. Thank you for sharing your story, Mike. Next we hear from Sheena in the Philippines. who has a few stories in regards to sleep paralysis. This is a sleep paralysis moment. I still remember this, but haven't told it much anymore. When I was around 12, 13 years old, I was having a nap at my grandparents' house at their living room couch. Thinking about it now, it seemed like no one was kind of around when I was sleeping, and the area was pretty peaceful and quiet, perfect for nap time. Now, their house is near a river, and my grandfather is a farmer. So I took my nap, and when I woke up, my body was very still. I didn't panic, but maybe I tried to speak or make a sound, but nothing came out. My body, it's like it's frozen. And I noticed a small black opaque square, it, like a small black cube near my left arm just beside me for a brief moment when my body is sleep paralyzed. Like it's also sleeping with me and very still. It's just there, not moving or swirling in place just like really beside me. And then as I was gaining movement from the paralyzed state, the black cube slowly faded. Now the second one is much more of a ghost thing, and again, it's black. Uh, this is also a brief moment, and this one surely scared the F out of me. Uh, this one might have happened when I was around 14 or 15, and I saw a short black figure standing just a few inches from me, outside the back area of our house. Now, it's kind of like when a person is standing in the door or window, waiting there for you to open the door for it to come in. Not that I'm saying that it wants to come in, I don't know. This happened in our small back porch area at night. I was about to hang a rag or get a rag that was hanged out there to dry, when I noticed a black short figure standing there. I was immediately startled by it, 
and immediately ran away with my rag and never went back there for the rest of the evening. I got sick the next day, just a brief fever, and I went back to it the next evening and investigated. I thought maybe it was a neighbor who lives next door and maybe they're short, but it wasn't. Then I thought maybe it was just an eye trick or an illusion since it's dark and I'm a jumpy person. But when I recall to the event seeing it, it seems like it really is something else. And I never saw something like it again, thank God. Now my speculation is that it might be a spirit just showing itself to me and I just happen to see it. I don't know if it's self-aware and frankly I don't want to know. It is nighttime as I'm writing this and I might research further about it, when it's morning, that is. And then one other point that you raised that I found interesting uh, was that you said, and it is an interesting observation, one that I've seen also, is that almost all the ghosts and uh, sightings and encounters that are reported, it's always like a dark figure, you know? Though it's kind of funny, like the, the most stereotypical ghost, right, as portrayed, is like this white mass. Yet almost every single real encounter is of a dark figure, which is just, it's an interesting, uh, you know, contrast between what's portrayed and what a lot of people actually experience. So thank you very much for sharing. Going over now to a few miscellaneous comments. Uh, Tony is checking in, says I thought I'd write in and get my homework done. I should say up front that my response is definitely not awe-inspiring. I did think a lot about it and just couldn't come up with much. Uh, now, I can't think of really a single paranormal spooky thing that's ever happened to me. Only thing I can think of is for the first few days after my father passed away, I could hear him call my name clear as day in the middle of the night. And I'd run up to his room half asleep and delirious just to realize he's gone, though I think it's a grieving thing, though. It hasn't happened in a couple weeks, I'm quite glad. Uh, but I do miss him, and it plays a toll on my mind. Now, I used to love scary movies when I was a kid. I'd get so scared and loved it, but I can't even watch today's scary movies. The last one I saw was Paranormal Activity, probably seven years ago or more, and I almost had a heart attack. Uh, they just make them so realistic nowadays, uh, miles away from what I grew up with, uh, such as the Freddy Krueger and Chucky. My best friend went and saw the Joker movie last Saturday night. I was too chicken, but she said it wasn't scary. It was just really, really sad. And I was bothered by it, but still said it was good. It's about the healthcare system neglecting him, which in turn led to the bad behavior. So I told her she should watch the Michael Moore documentary called Sicko if she wants to be moved in that department. Uh, but talk about depressing. So that was from Tony. And... Yeah, Paranormal Activity, I remember when that came out. I guess that was around 2007 or so, I, I think it was, anyway. It was like mid-2000s, mid-late 2000s. And uh, the movie was, you know, that's what they intentionally did, right? It wasn't quite like the found footage, it was more like um, security camera. You know, it, that's what it was like. And I remember I saw it, and it was creepy, but I wasn't... You know, the, the, here, here's what didn't creep me out about it. And it's just, you know, because I sleep during the day, right? And I'm up all night, I, no matter what I do. 
the, the you know the whole premise of the film right is that this stuff happens uh, when they're sleeping at night so it just didn't have the same impact on me but it was still a spooky film yeah don't don't get me wrong and the Joker I gotta see that one day because it's a film that I mean I know again like some people will say look it's it's a dark film um, but I don't know I just that film seems to just like call out to me so I gotta check it out at some point seems like it's it's right up my alley because uh, sometimes that really dark stuff it's just you know it's it's of great interest to me anyway now concluding uh, this part of the broadcast let's go over to an email from Nathan in California he says the story I am about to share happened a few years ago this story is not the spookiest but I like to think that there was an explanation to what occurred uh, however I'll probably never know so it's something that'll continue to mystify me as a resident of Southern California, one of my favorite places to visit is the Queen Mary in Long Beach, California. And for those who are not familiar, the Queen Mary was a British ocean liner built in the 1930s that sailed the Atlantic until the 1960s when airline travel became more economical. And I've had a fascination for the history of ocean liners all my life, and I'm lucky to live near one of the last remaining ocean liners in the world. I always enjoy taking a group of friends to the ship so I can give them a tour and share the history. And it was on one of those trips that I witnessed something unexplained. In recent times, the Queen Mary has been known as a paranormal hotspot. Apparitions, cold spots, orbs, other unexplained phenomena have been reported. Although the history of hauntings on the Queen Mary fascinated me when I was younger, I'm not very skeptical on the matter, and it seems the management of Queen Mary has fabricated most of the stories in order to make a profit. On one visit with friends, I took them to see the entrance of the first-class swimming pool and ornate Art Deco entranceway. And the first-class pool is considered one of the most haunted spots on the ship, and although tours are taken through the room, the original entrance is locked. After sharing some history with friends, I stayed behind to look at a photograph that contained bits of info on the wall adjacent to the entrance. And as I was reading the sign, I heard a creak and looked toward the source of the sound. I walked to the door and found it was slightly ajar. Maybe you could only slide a piece of paper through the opening at most. And I was thinking about reaching toward the door, I saw it close very gently. I tried to open it, but found it was locked. So since then, I've had an open mind about the possibility of paranormal activity occurring on the ship, although the extent of the activity might be exaggerated to draw in visitors. Uh, there could very well be unexplained events that do occur on the historic ship. So that was from Nathan in California. Great to hear from you, Nathan, and thank you very much for sharing your experience. And with that, yeah, we had a great variety of of wonderful experiences to share. It was really, really interesting. And uh, like I had said earlier, uh, just the variety and diversity and all the different types of experiences was fascinating. So it was so much fun to record. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. And I hope you have a wonderful remainder of your Halloween. And I hope to do a lot more paranormal shows like this going forward. It's it's a lot of fun to do. And uh, I love I love hearing your experiences, you know, because... There's just so much out there. So coming up next in the broadcast are a few miscellaneous thoughts uh, 
and then a bit of a lecture. Again, now we're going to start getting into some of the darker uh, philosophical stuff. So if that's not your kind of thing, that's all good. Um, but I hope you enjoyed the show. Stay tuned. This is VORW. <laughs> so anyway, I hope you enjoyed that discussion. And it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to do. Now, for next week's show, I already mentioned it once, but I want to mention it again. Next week's program is going to be Open Lines. Uh, so with that, I always enjoy doing those Open Lines shows because then, uh, you know, sometimes it's a lot of fun to do the, the shows that are just confined to one topic only. But it's it's a lot of fun to just have it, again, Open Lines and just talk about anything that you want to talk about. I just think that's a lot of fun anyway, so... Anything that you want to talk about, any questions that you have, any points you want to share, any news articles that you want to bring up, anything, uh, send me an email to v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. That's v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. So that's the email address. That's the way to get in touch. That is the address... For any and all correspondence. And I, I know email isn't that popular anymore. It's kind of funny. Uh, you know, I guess out of touch. That That's the best word for it. Though it's true. Um, it, it's just, it's kind of funny because I've, I've still just, I've been an email user. And it's kind of funny how they thought that email was going to kill off postal mail. Yet, I mean, writing letters, granted, is not necessarily the biggest practice anymore. You, you still see it. But at least in the U.S., it's done more like a, a novelty than anything else. It's not applicable. No one, no one has to write a letter anymore. It can be fun, uh, and it, it can be enjoyable, but it's not done out of necessity. It's it's more like, you know, it's it's just something to do. Now, in other parts of the world, that might be different. But you still have lots of business, commercial mail, etc. that's done on paper. Lots of stuff is through email. Uh, now you have people out there who have never used email. Uh, and it's just the weirdest... It is what it is, but... Uh, Anyway, if you have one and you, you want to send me an email, I know it's old-fashioned now, but you can do it, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. So, anyway, that's how it's done. And again, on a note, uh, coming up on, well, later on in the show, I'll be giving a lecture about bullying and just why I don't like the word, why I don't like the word bullying. You know, I'll explain that. And we'll go from there. So I'm just going to, you know, give some random stuff for now. Um, because, again, the, the, the main thing with the show, what's most important is done, right? We wanted to hear the discussion on the Halloween stuff. And I hope it was enjoyable, like I said. But uh, now just comes the stuff for anyone else who still bothers to hang around. One thing that I, I hate it. And, you know, it is what it is, but I don't like it one bit. Daylight saving time ends this Sunday, November 3rd. So, you know, set the clocks back. 
clock goes back one hour at 2 a.m. And I mean, which is nice, right? If you want to get some more sleep, <laughs> you know, you get that extra extra hour of sleep or whatever you want to do. Extra hour of, you know, listening to VORW or anything in between. Now, I despise it for selfish reasons, admittedly. Okay, I'll just say it as it is. I hate it because of how it messes up all the shortwave broadcasts that I do. And it irks me to no end. It just does. Because the shortwave stations, at least one of them that I use, uh, runs off of UTC time, which remains the same year-round. So when they stick to that, the broadcasts change via local time, which, like I said, is what it is, but it affects all the times that you can hear my show. Now, it's not a lot, thankfully, this time around, but it will impact people. So, listen in. Starting next week, on Thursday, broadcasts on 7780 kHz that originally air at 4 p.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern, right, it's two hours back-to-back, are now going to be at 3 p.m. and 4 p.m. See how it gets pushed back an hour? Right? But then the broadcast at 9 p.m. on 5850 kHz, uh, 7780 kHz, and 5010 kHz get pushed back to 8 o'clock. So see what happens? Some broadcasts get bumped back an hour. Some broadcasts remain at the same time. Then continuing... On Saturdays, at least a broadcast at 6 p.m. Uh, on 6115 kHz and on 9395 kHz remain at 6 p.m. Um, but again, on, on Saturday night and Sunday night, again, those broadcasts that are usually at 9 p.m. on 5850 and 5010 kHz, they get bumped back an hour uh, to 8 p.m. Eastern. So like I said, it's a practice that I just don't like because it confuses listeners. You know, most people who tune in are located in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, and they don't follow, you know, UTC, right? Like some people, now that it's bumped back an hour later, are still going to be at work or have other commitments. They're not going to be able to drop everything and say, okay, now I'm just going to make the the time to listen an hour earlier. You know, what what works for them is local time, but it is what it is. I understand why it's done. I, I just, you know, I think you can see why it can get frustrating. But if you want a full-blown broadcast schedule, just let me know, say the word, and uh, I'll be happy to oblige and help you out. So that's what it comes down to. And, uh, I hope you can bear with me. It's just a frustration that happens every year uh, that I always want to make clear. Um, But it's, you know, look, it is exactly like what I said it is. It's a frustration. It's not the end of the world, but uh, it's just a little annoyance. But life goes on. Now, otherwise, one miscellaneous subject 
but I just wanted to bring up in passing. It's nothing... I mean, who knows? I might end up talking about it for 45 minutes. I don't intend to. Uh, You know, it's just a point that I see brought up. And... The thing that some people forget, and it's okay. Uh, Sometimes we're so used to being told one thing in one, uh, let's say, specific context... We we believe, therefore, that it's applicable to every situation. You, you remember when people would say, in regards, uh, you know, to harassment, if you ignore it, it'll go away. Well, you know, that depends, right? It's very circumstantial. Ignore it and it'll go away. Not necessarily. Right. And I learned that the hard way. Where they have their strategies, they have their tactics. That they, they know when you're trying to do that. And as a result, they get into your mind. And they make it even worse. It's all circumstantial. There's certain types of behaviors that if you if you ignore it, that might be the best thing to do, not give them any more stimuli to feed off of. You know, some of them are like leeches, though. They'll, they'll harness that and use it against you. Um, but in other circumstances, they'll just change their tactics and they'll make it even worse. And at the same time, someone was, was saying about the lectures that I've been giving recently on society that... You know, you are part of the problem because you're talking about it. And I was thinking to myself, what exactly are you... That's not the case. That was the problem years ago with so many issues. So many horrible abuses that happened. Decades ago, the things that happened behind closed doors. No one talked about it. That doesn't mean that they didn't happen. Of course it did. But when you keep silent about something, it's, that's not the right thing to do. You need to bring awareness to certain things. Same thing when it came down to mental health, various abuses, you name it. If you keep silent about it, that's not going to make it go away. You know, it's like sweeping something under the rug. Oh, just don't talk about it. You know, focus on something else. Right? That doesn't eliminate the problem. That doesn't eliminate the dread. It doesn't eliminate all the thoughts or the feelings. If anything, it just creates this... It just brews inside of you uh, until it gets too much and, and... you, you can't bear it anymore. You can't live with it anymore. And it's over. Right, that's why I advocate so strongly for having a support system, a support network, being able to talk in whatever capacity you feel comfortable doing because you can't let that stuff billow up inside of you. You can't do that because it's not going to help. So to say that you aren't 
able or allowed even to bring awareness about intimidation, saying that you can't talk about this. I mean, look, that in, that in itself is a form of intimidation, uh, trying to tell you you need, you need to censor yourself. I respect your opinion, but I highly disagree with it. It's all about what you're comfortable doing. And likewise, in regards to giving, uh, you know, any anything attention, again, it depends on the scope of the problem. It depends on what exactly it is, circumstantially, right? Yeah, if it's like one person that's trying to feed off of the stimuli, then maybe it's best to not give them undue attention. Doesn't mean you can't talk about it, just undue attention, right? Feed into their tricks. But at the same time, if it's something that's on a larger scale, something that you know is going to happen whether you you talk about it or don't, right? Like, in regards to intimidation, uh, if it's a societal issue, or if it's organized harassment involving multiple people, right, they're not going to care whether you talk about it or not. And that's put into practice directly on the main YouTube channel, where I don't sit there and one video after the next, say, don't leave the mean comments, don't, uh, don't tell me to kill myself this time around, don't, don't say this or say that or whatever, right? I just ignore it. It's about doing the video, and that's it, you know, it's, right? You're giving them nothing in that regard to feed off of. Does that stop them in any way, shape, or form? No. No, they've been around... Uh, for years, right? They've been at it consistently uh, since 2013. So in that case, it's going to make no difference whatsoever, regardless of what I say or do. So it's it's better to just promote awareness of it and talk about this stuff, um, because the outcome is going to be exactly the same otherwise. Um, but the one difference is that at least in doing so, in in talking about it, maybe this message will be able to, you know, someone somewhere will be able to relate to it. Maybe they'll find themselves in a tough spot, and they'll be able to go and be able to combat it better, understand it better, and maybe find some of the help that can get them through this, right? So that's, that's why it's important to talk about this stuff, at least in my situation. And I mean... I can go on and on and on about this stuff. There's so many lectures uh, that I can give on this matter. I mean, I can <clears throat> I can go on and on and on, one after the next after the next, um, probably dozens of times. Doesn't mean that I will, but there's just... This is one of those subjects that you can talk about for a long time. And one day, not today... I'll have to give a lecture about the first time, especially as it relates to YouTube and and the online world. Because, you know, the online world really is, for many, the the reality now. Uh, You know, we're so connected. We were talking last week about the the internet, the social media, uh, smartphone addiction, right? For so many of us, in our free time, what you see online is the reality, that is the world. Uh, so I, uh, one day I'll have to go and give a lecture about the first time I really saw uh, society in this online culture for what it really is.
And that was going back to January of 2013, when the first video uh, of mine got any sort of attention. Because before then, it was just a very small community, and I wasn't really self-aware. I didn't have uh, much of an idea as to how people, you know, really felt about things. I just kind of did my own thing and kept to myself. So needless to say, uh, you know, initially I didn't get it. It kind of, it went, it went over my head. Uh, but when I realized that it blindsided me, and it, you know, it took a toll uh, for a very long time. Eventually, you know, you can snap out of it. Um, but it was, that's something that I'll, I'll save for another day, but I'll have to lecture about one day, when the, when the time is right. You know, that's what matters, when the time is right. Right now it isn't, but I just wanted to kind of mention that in passing, uh, because I was just talking about the YouTube channel, and I thought, well, that's a good way to tie that in, since I was already taking down some notes on some points on that that I wanted to discuss again at some point, but whatever it ends up being. So coming up next, like I've been saying, is a lecture that I recorded the other day on the word bully and bullying. So it's an editorial. It's a few thoughts that I have personally. I say that in advance because, you know, it might not be agreeable to everyone, uh, but that's just what it comes down to, and you can't be afraid of that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, listen in if you agree. If you, you know, if you agree, you agree. If you don't, you don't. That's all good. And uh, stay tuned. So at least I'm recording the first part of this lecture indoors. Uh, the first part, anyway, I'm, I'm just inside, and that's what we're going with. Um, because sometimes I like to go outside, I like to record things there, I like to, you know, of course at night. Right, that's the one time that works out best. Uh, that's the time that is just the most, in, in my opinion anyway, the most hospitable for being able to do this type of stuff. Uh, not, not always, right? But if you want to go outside, you have to worry about a few things. Number one, uh, you have to worry about, of course, environmental conditions, right? Uh, the heat. That's not necessarily that good for equipment. I mean, it's not going to kill anything, but... You know, it'll certainly, it'll be happier when it's cooler. Then, of course, you have the noise pollution, right? I mean, that's a real pain. Uh, if you have to sit there and you have to deal with all the sounds of the world. And finally, when there's a lull in the, in the in, you know, the busyness, uh, then someone else decides to, you know, fire up their leaf blowers or something, and then, you know, there it is again. So, that's why the nighttime, in my opinion, is nicer. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's less noise, less stimuli, less people. It's just a much more receptive environment. Um, but I don't know what, I don't know what the hell's going on tonight. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. I, f I figure it's some sort of, uh, party or something, but... Uh, you know, it's certainly a unique one, I'll tell you that. If it is one at all. 
And uh, I mean, just the other day, I saw some people that were partying, and it was, right, it was normal. I mean, they were actually, they went through the night. Uh, I can't imagine the hangover that ensued, but I mean, they weren't crazy or anything, you know, they had some music playing, but it wasn't, it wasn't annoying, it didn't get in the way of things, you know, could see them having a few drinks, whatever, but it was no, it doesn't bother me. Uh, you know, you have the different types of partiers, you have the kind of organized ones, or it doesn't even need to be organized, um, but, but the ones that have a certain, any semblance of respect, right? You can still have a good time, you can still have fun, uh, you can still enjoy yourself, but, you know, go, it all goes down to the attitudes. If you care about anyone else, or if you don't, uh, but they clearly did, they were fine, didn't, didn't screw anything up. Um, but I don't know what's going on. It's 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 like <laughs> almost reminds me of uh, a little mini riot or, or something. I don't know. They're running around in the street and they're screaming and throwing stuff. It's not necessarily violent um, per se, uh, but it's it's weird. Uh, Atmosphere-wise, it's like, if it's a party, it's it's a, a unique one. I mean, I don't see any outright ill intent. Uh, it's just, it's it's weird. It's like, uh, you know, it's is it a party or is it one big shouting match? Uh, you know, what is it? But I just didn't want to go ahead and, you know, have to deal with that, because with my luck, the moment I go out there, it's going to spill over, and then sure enough, I'll end up getting caught in it. I don't know, just in, in terms of attitudes, it was just clear, you know, not considerate of their surroundings, you know, throwing stuff, almost seemed like they were just doing it on purpose. Eh, it is what it is, life goes on. So, here we are. Uh, once again, and I, I wanted to go with this format, and I'm just going to go with it for as long as I do, uh, because sometimes you make a mistake if you, you know, in, in terms of certain endeavors, unless you are 100% sure on something, if you commit to an exact number, uh, you're, you're, you're making a mistake. Again, unless you're confident that you can do something. I remember in 2012, you know, when I didn't have to worry about anything, I I started up one, one little series of kind of miscellaneous videos, and I called it The Idle Mind. And my original intention was to make 100 episodes. And granted, that was a bit far-fetched, you know, from my perspective. I think we've all been there, right? You you have an idea, and you have this plan. And at first, I mean, you're feeling it, right? Like, and it, you know, it's, it's whatever it is. It pertains uniquely to you. But you start out strong, right? You are not dragging your feet. 
you aren't looking back, nor have you feelings of regret. You're ready. You want to do this. You, you know, it's, it's time. And you want to accomplish all this stuff. You want to, you're setting your sights, you know, really high. You want to do this and this and this, and then you're going to do this and so on and so forth. And you have these aspirations. And then as time progresses, uh, you realize the co the initial commitment and plans are more or less excitement rather than any sort of serious undertaking. Right, and that's how it was for me. It was something different, and it was something that I wanted to do. Um, but did I really necessarily want to do it a hundred times over? Maybe that was a little too much for me. So sure enough, I was able to do, you know, 10, 15 videos, and then I was done. <laughs> and that was that. So this, this type of format for the show is going to be as long as it is. This might be the last one I ever do. Um, but, you know, there might be new ones like this every week for the next year. I mean, who's to say? I have no idea. Uh, but this format, I just wanted to adopt because I figured last week, you know, I just, I, I took the leap. And I said, I'm not going to let them scare me anymore. And I'm going to just do... Just do it. And one listener wrote in, had a really good suggestion, <laughs> said the best way, also, you know, you know that they're not going to go away, but the best way for the sake of this show to make sure you don't kill it on the spot. I mean, it is what it is, everything's dying, but to make sure that you don't do any irreparable harm... Uh, and also don't feel boxed in. Do the show as long as you want to do it. If you want it to be a five-hour show, just do it. But get the, you know, the comparably important stuff, right? Everything that you put in the title and all of that. So, for instance, the Halloween or the paranormal stuff goes at the beginning, and then the people who were just there for that, uh, you know, they're satisfied. And then after that, I'll do my my babbling. And uh, I enjoy this, this style of lecturing. Because granted, there's all sorts of different styles. You can do it a very, very tight, right? One point to the next, to the next, to the next. It's well put together, well packaged. Nice little cherry on top. And those are good to do. You know, it all depends on what I'm talking about. If it's something that's very... Very black and white sometimes. It all... It, it really depends. The more technical subjects are good to do that with. Uh, but then there's the free-form discussion. The stream of consciousness. Which some people, again, aren't going to like. They're going to find it too meandering. And that's just another good reason why to just put it at the end. And uh, then people don't have to sit through it to get to what they want to get to. And uh, whoever is still committed, you know, this is this is here.
but I enjoy the stream of consciousness because, you know, it's, it's freedom. And it's great to be able to just talk about whatever you want to talk about, but that suggestion was a, was a great one. Uh, whoever it was that said, just do it, you know, do it toward the end, and then go on for as long as you want. So, thank you so much. So, like I said, for as long as I do, you know, I'll do these stream of consciousness. They're not even lectures, because a lecture, you know, implies that you're delivering a certain topic in a concise manner. Uh, this is more of a monologue, you know, these stream of consciousness monologues. Um, probably most of them are going to be <laughs> about society, about all of that stuff. Uh, which is fine. I think it's something a lot of us can, you know, can relate to. Uh, can, you know, at least whoever tunes in, that is. Not everyone, by, by any means. That's a bit of a overstatement right there. But regardless, it's fun to do. I wanted to talk about a few things tonight. Um... It might end up being over the course of several different recording sessions. So it'll it'll be what it is. And that's completely fine. You know, as long as it takes, uh, that's all that there is to it, right? That's, that's what matters. Get the message out. And the first subject, it's one of those that I don't necessarily have any sort of I hate to say, but I say it as a disclaimer. I always like giving a disclaimer if applicable. Like, in the last show, I gave a disclaimer saying the lecture isn't necessarily going to be the brightest in the world. I still tried to put a little bit of a spin to it to say, look, it's hellish, but you can still fight against it. And that was okay, because then, you know, the people that necessarily, it just wasn't for them. They knew what it was going in. So, I give another disclaimer for today. Uh, this lecture, once again, is not on the brightest subject. But in addition, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever I do, but I can't guarantee any sort of uh, positive spin to it this time around. What I want to do initially, and again, whatever happens, happens. I don't plan these out. I just said I want to talk, so I've got the microphone set up and I'm just talking. What I want to do is I just want to establish a certain point that I noticed, and then we'll go from there. Now, this came to my attention, and it's it's one of those things that kind of drifts in and out of your your mind. You think about it for a little bit, Maybe I've thought in the past, maybe I'll talk about it one day, but, you know, it never materializes. It never... something else preempts it. Uh, something else takes that priority. Or I just forget about it. Sometimes my memory just isn't the best. And it's drifted in and out, but finally, you know, having had a few uh, responses that I was able to concretely look at, that explicitly use this word, and it was one that I'll even think of, too. 
You know, I was thinking, I said, you know what, I'm going to talk about it tonight. One thing that, you know, that, that gets me, that I don't like about society, about, you know, how it is, you know, perception of things, various things, various problems, the severity thereof. And it's a word that I intentionally, and I'll tell you why, I don't use it, at least to excess. Because in the last show, I was talking about society and the world and how they view a lot of people and how, you know, there's the intimidation, right? You know, how the world is intimidating uh, in every definition of the word, especially in regards to the act of intimidation at that. And the word intimidation, or its derivatives, was used quite frequently. Now, one word that may uh, describe, at least to an extent, what I was talking about, is the word bullying. But, if you notice, I don't even know, and I can't, again, remember off the top of my head, if I even uh, used that word even once in the two hours that I talked. Or if I did, it was probably just a small handful of times. I didn't say that the world is full of bullies and that it's the bullies uh, who are adored and, and looked up to in society, uh, that those are the people that others want to model and be, uh, that the bullying is prevalent and all the different types and so on and so forth. Instead, I used intimidation, intimidating. The reason being that I cannot stand the way the word bullying is perceived. Because granted, by definition, right formally, seek to harm, intimidate, or coerce someone perceived as vulnerable. Right, that is the formal definition. But then you see its usage in a sentence, right underneath it. Her 11-year-old son has been constantly bullied at school. That's why I don't use that word, bullying, for two reasons. Number one, because just by the way that things are, bullying is an issue that is largely perceived as pertaining only to kids and only uh, to people who are in school. And I think that they... that's extremely important. I mean, no one should have to go to school and be put through misery just for the fact that they exist. So absolutely, bullying in school is a massive problem. You know, again, it ties down to human nature. This is just how people are. Um, but, you know, every time you see something 
that happens right in school, uh, and it could be in elementary school, middle school, high school, with bullying, so many times you see all these chances uh, that maybe parents or staff could have handled it better and could have done so much more, right? So bullying in school is, number one, an issue that needs to be prioritized, and it's something that I don't want to selfishly, you know, not that this would really do anything, but, you know, selfishly take any attention away from it, um, because it needs that focus, especially for the kids. In these formative years, they need to, they need to be in the best environment they can. So I don't want to sit there and undermine any of that. But despite that, I also dislike the word because society deems that the word bullying, despite its broad definition, and it doesn't say that it is applicable only to kids, but society as a whole deems it that it only be uh, pertinent to children. You know, that, that bullying is a children's issue. And if you're out of the school system, you know, bullying either A, doesn't exist anymore, or B, uh, you're old enough to figure it out on your own. Uh, you know, we're not here to help you. We're not here to support you. Uh, and evidently, we don't care about you either. And that connotation that's put into our heads, and, you know, in my opinion, despite it being the accurate term, uh, it just, it, it takes away from it. And part of me wonders if that's intentionally done, because some people are very cunning, and they'll just take a word and they'll use it against you. You know, perception, it's, it's definition, usage, etc. Either way, and there's been a way, you know, just either the way that things are, or intentionally, that what should be a very accurate term for all types of bullying, because let me just say, bullying doesn't stop. <laughs> once, you know, once you get out of school. If anything else, depending on what happens, sometimes it can go away, but you can do everything right. And you can go with the program, blend with the crowd, and there will be some psychopath out there that will single you out and tear you apart. Or, you know, in the world of social media, if you in any way express yourself, uh, then you'll be targeted there. Right? And I'm sure a lot of you know where I'm coming from. Despite being an issue that is perceived as being pertinent only to school, it, it, it is obviously not. And while that focus when someone is in school and is still growing up is important, it undermines the fact that the, the way they treat it, it's like 
this kid could be bullied through school and we'll set up support systems and initiatives and all of this to try and help this person out. But the moment that they graduate and the moment that they're out of there, they can go twist in the wind and they can go rot. Uh, you know, because it's not, it's, it's, it's not anyone's problem but their own anymore. You know, what only furthers the point, when I search the word, uh, let's say, bullying, because <laughs> when, I, when I search the word bully, <laughs> so many things about bulldogs come up, which, you know, is what it is. But when I search the word bullying, uh, what I get are all these uh, resources for kids. And when I search the word uh, bullying and I go to images, right, this is how people perceive it. Uh, every last thing that I see pertains to school. Yet, look at this article, for instance. 31% of Americans who are adults have been bullied. A recent survey conducted by Harris Paul found that adults are being bullied at levels similar to adolescents, and the health consequences may be reducing Americans' ability to function. Uh, on a survey of more than 2,000 U.S. adults, 31% have been bullied and 43% say the behavior has become more accepted this past year. The survey defined bullying as being subjected to repeated negative behavior intended to harm or intimidate. And the poll found that of those who were bullied as an adult, 71% suffer from stress, 70% experience anxiety depression, 55% report a loss of confidence. 39% suffer from sleep loss. 26% have headaches. 22% experience muscle tension or pain. 19% reported a mental breakdown. And 17% noted an inability to function day to day. Yet, it's clear to me that while bullying in adults is understood that it happens, that this is something that goes on, and I think most people know that it does, the desire to care about it doesn't exist. And like I said before, it's like, look, you're old enough now, we're not here for you anymore. You know? You can figure it out. And that's not to say that there is any ex expectation on my part for anything to be done about this, because I, there isn't. You know, when you are in the world, you're on your own. And that's just the way that it is. But that's not going to stop me from saying that it never fails to amaze me when it just sadly reaffirms some of the things I've said 
over the years about society. And it's just that, despite the fact that it very clearly exists, we just let it happen. You know, and it's got to the point where we've lost all control. And just what I've been saying, I think that it's something that's continuing to increase. Uh, because these attitudes just get perpetuated and looked up upon. And you see it more and more. You know, maybe I'm incorrect, but these are my observations, my personal observations. I mentioned them in the last show, and I stand by them 100%. Because what I've said before is that, you know, seeing, <laughs> seeing is believing. And knowing that there are good people out there is one thing. I know that. But when you also, just again, see with your own eyes the true prevalence of these attitudes, there's no other possible way I can look at it. 30% is a very high number. And truth be told, I would be willing to bet that it's, it's probably higher than that. Uh, you have people who probably... It's so bad that they feel like they can't even answer it, you know? And when it impacts that percentage of individuals, it's a serious problem, yet it's not taken seriously. If you, if you talk about bullying, and you use the term bullying expressly, not in the context of school or children, uh, you know, you're going to get probably, you know, yes, there will be the percentage of people who take you seriously, but that's a minority. That needs to be understood. But otherwise, you will have people who see the word bullying used in that context and will say, grow the F up. Uh, this is something that impacts kids. What? You're not in school anymore, so what are you crying about? Get over it. That's why I don't use that term. And it's a shame. But I wish the connotations weren't what they were. You know, it is what it is. And I just hope all the talk... You know, it's been this way for decades, and look, you know, bullying still goes on. It's still, it's everywhere. It's only, it's only growing in prevalence, you know? I remember when I was in school, in elementary school especially, right, I was bullied, and a bit in high school, and then for the rest of high school, they just did it behind my back, you know? That's like how it is right now. Uh, you know, you still get a lot of stuff that's done face-to-face -face and directly to me, but, you know, there's thousands of people saying things about me right now that I'll never hear. And that's just the way that it is, you know? But 
obviously it's something that still goes on. Something that's always happened in schools. And, you know, I understand, again, the need to focus resources on this. And it's important that there be no tolerance to it. Uh, But at the same time, like I said, you can be cared for, and then as soon as you're out, and as soon as you enter uh, the real world, you know, then reality really uh, gets you, you know? Um, Because it's shown that you're not a kid anymore, so... But that's why I don't like using the word, because while it is accurate, the connotation that it, it brings about, it, it just, it is what it is. Um, but with this understanding, that's why I prefer to use words like intimidation. Because while they mean exactly the same thing, uh, they have very, very different effects and implications. Now, I wish that bullying in adults was taken more seriously, um, because, again, this type of harassment, you know, is, it's, it's, it's there. And you have all sorts of stuff that goes on. Uh, you know, you have bullying that's done, uh, you know, in the workplace, in higher education, uh, you have discrimination, You have people who despise you uh, for how you feel about one thing or another. You have abuses in relationships or friendships, and so much more. And then there's all the different means of of doing so, right? You have person-to-person bullying, right? You have backhanded remarks uh, being set up in various situations, Uh, You have online harassment, you have stalking, threats, sabotage, you name it. Uh, A lot of it can be very, very serious, but, you know, the world doesn't take it seriously, and that's the thing. Uh, You know, it reaffirms that once you're out there, you're out there. And that's why, on a closing note, uh, for at least this first part, That's why it's so important to find a support system in one way, shape, or form. Uh, Because otherwise, it's going to consume you. It's going to completely devour you. And they will turn your own mind against you. That's what they do. And they'll drive you to the end in the most literal sense. You know, there's still good people out there. There's still, uh, you know, good good people, good things in this world. Uh, there's still good people, good things in this world to keep going on for. And there's people who can help you through all of this. And resources that can and will help you the best that they can. Support systems are different for everyone, but it's one of the essential steps to getting through it, to at least have someone or something uh, that can, you know, counteract the vitriol that is thrown at you 
uh, on a daily basis. And that's different for everyone. But those resources are there. Sometimes it's easy to spot, sometimes it's not. But if you're going through it, and you don't have one at this point, you know, think about support systems, support networks, and please do whatever works for you. They are there. They are there to help you, to motivate you, and to get you through this mess. But at the same time, uh, you know, unlike when we're kids, you know, they're not gonna, they're not gonna come to you. Uh, you know, the world is different. Uh, it's, it's, it's changed. Right? And those attitudes are different. You can find them that they are there. Without them, that desperation can overtake you very easily. So, if you feel you need one, whatever capacity, seek one out and do the right thing. You're listening to VORW International. And that's all that I have to share in today's broadcast of VORW International. Again, keep in mind, next week's broadcast is Open Lines. If there's anything you want to talk about, anything that you want to share, any questions, comments, or talking points, send me an email, VORWINFO at gmail.com. That's VORWINFO at gmail.com. So I hope to see you again next week. Until then, take care. This is VORW.